Good morning, church. So glad you guys are here. I am Joel. I'm the Connect Pastor. Um, if you're watching this later, you should definitely check out the worship band, right? Right, crowd? Like that was, did you like that? No, the staff, yeah. I personally, I thought they did so-so. I mean, I thought it was like a, like a C, maybe. No, I'm, I'm, it's me. I'm bitter. I, we talked about this a month or so ago, and they went around the room saying, hey, all staff's invited, you know, even if, even if you only play the tambourine or something like that. And they went around the room, and they said, you know, what everybody was going to do, and they got to me, and they're like, ooh, uh, why, don't, why don't you just speak, you know? And I, like, got completely left out. No, it's, it's, it's I, I left myself out because this is, a, this is a true story, actually. I have no gifts when it comes to musical ability. No, no, you don't have to say all because I, I'm all right with it. Again, I cannot make this up. In high school, I knew this already. I had already dropped out of band in sixth grade. That's true, right, Mom? Like, I only lasted, like, one semester. I begged to be let out. I had no gifts there. I did not, I was not super interested. But you have to get complete these arts credits in high school, and so a lot of my friends were in choir, so I just joined the choir, right? After only a couple weeks, our brand new choir teacher, uh, he was young, he was pursuing his master's degree, he pulls me aside after class, and he's like, this is a true story, he's like, hey, can I give you some lessons during your study hall outside of class? And it was because he was doing his project for his master's degree on teaching people how to sing that are tone deaf. Again, I wasn't offended. I was bored during study hall, so we did that. But we only did it like four times, and then I think he changed his topic. <laughs> you know, it's all right, because here's the message this morning. God loves me anyways, and he loves you too. And he's gifted you with other gifts. It doesn't matter if it can be on stage or not. He gifted you, and but here's the thing. He loves you. That's the first part. The fact that he loves you first, and then he gifted you. That, that's, uh, that's the order. God loved you, and then he called you to good works. But we get this mixed up, because I think we're mostly a works-based society, right? Not many of us expect paychecks from businesses that we don't do work for. And, and I think we mix this up with our spirituality, and we think, oh, well, if this is the way the rest of the world works, then if I want God's love, then I need to give something back to him. And, and it's an exchange, and that's that's not it. That's not the way that God works. Thank goodness. And it's not the way that love works. It's not, the, it's not the definition of love. I know, church, trust me, I know that's the way that most of the love relationships that you've experienced in your life have worked. That it's a reciprocal two-way street. And that if one side stops loving or caring or or doing for that the other side will naturally pull back. I know that's the way that the world's version of love is. That's just not the definition of love at all. You want to know the real definition of love? It's right here, 1 John chapter 4. Google it. I'm going to read the message for you um, here. But John says, my beloved friends, let's continue to love each other since love comes from God. That's not it yet, but it's good. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because, here it is, read it with me, God is love. You guys all say that with me like you understand that sentence because I, like that is a weird, constructed, and a big sentence there. God is love. But that's the definition. 
God is love. Let me keep reading here. So you can't know him if you don't know love. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son in the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God. No, he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear the way for our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. And that's all I'm saying this morning is what John says is that you are loved because God is love. And he chose to love you first. Did you see this in the news about the $10,000 bill from the Depression era that sold at an auction? Can you show them that picture? A $10,000 bill from, you know, over 100 years ago, or, or about 100 years ago, sold at an auction house for guess how much? <laughs> Somebody said $10,000. We're just trying to be smart here. No. <laughs> 420 grand. Almost half a mil. All right. And I don't want to confuse you. I'm not trying to be tricky here. I just want to ask a simple question. What is the value of that $10,000 bill? Don't, don't, do not overthink this, okay? It, it has nothing to do with the value of the paper. It has nothing to do with what's written on the bill. Values are determined by what someone is willing to pay for them. And if you, if you need any help with that, I'll just give you this. If you wanted to acquire one of those precious uh, $10,000 bills for yourself from the Depression era, how much would you have to pay? That's the value of that. And that's why you need to get this up front. God loves you because he was willing to pay the death of his one and only son just to have a shot at a relationship with I'm talking to each and every one of you because I get it. I get not getting this. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents taught me that God loves me. I learned it in Sunday school, and I memorized the verses. And yet, it still has got to click with every single person. And I remember when this really clicked for me, like when it became more than just a Christian platitude, more than just a memory verse, that God actually loved me and loved me and all of my problems. It was I was sitting in a room much smaller than this one at a, at a Christian youth conference, and this Catholic, former Catholic priest who left the ministry to get married and then later divorced and, and had sought counseling for alcohol addiction, uh, a, an author and a public speaker who died a couple years ago named Brennan Manning had a whole sermon on how God loves me and loves you. And, and one of the quotes from it was this. He said, I would suggest from you from this moment on that you let the focus of your life rest on this one truth. The staggering, mind-blowing truth that God loves you just the way you are and not as you should be. Because nobody in this room is as they should be. Because not that God loves you, sorry, not that he loves somebody else. He loves you, not the person next to you, not just Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, he loves you, and he loves you in such a way that he would rather die than be without you. Now, you're thinking one of two things after that. You're either just, like, rejecting it, like, eh, no, that really isn't about me. That, 
you, you assume that you're just not, that, that it's not just for people like you. It's only for certain types of people. You, you don't process it. You think maybe somehow God and his, all his cosmic calculations couldn't take into account what you have done. And so you just assume it's for other people. But other people's chests are starting to swell. Other people are going to think about that and let that marinate and, and stay with them for days. Because here's the reality. that When you get that, when you get that God loves you no matter what, that you don't have to do anything, that it's already happened, that it's currently happening, and you base your life off of that, that's transformational. That will change you. And that, in fact, that's what should change you. If you try and change on your own, if you try and accomplish the Christian life without being based in that, it's going to lead to self-aggrandizement and idolatry. It has to start with God loving you. That, that's where it begins. I ask my girls silly questions all the time, like, why are you so pretty? And, and uh, things, silly things like, I think I'm going to eat you. Do you want me to eat you? And they don't answer. They don't, they, you know, just think daddy's being silly. But one, one question I asked them isn't silly. I'm trying to get a truth, like, like tunneled into them. One thing I ask them all the time is like, why do you think your dad loves you so much? And again, I always answer for them. And I make sure the answer is always this. It's because you're my baby. Because I want to make it crystal clear that my love for them is not based on anything other than the fact that they are mine. And this, this was, this was life-changing when, when you understand this. Like, this is the way that God operates. This is the way your, your Heavenly Father feels about you. Because even Jesus, and, and when he comes to this earth, before he starts his earthly ministry, this is early on in the Gospels, before he calls his first disciples or preaches his first sermon or gets his first convert or heals his, his first leper, before he performs any miracles or, or even starts teaching that the kingdom of God is near and that you need to repent. Before he does any of that, he goes to his cousin John and gets baptized. And this voice from heaven calls out in Matthew three seventeen. This is my son whom I love. And with him, I am well pleased. Why is God so pleased with Jesus? Well, why does he love him so much? It's in that first part there. This is my son. And you are his son or daughter. When, when you get this, I'm not pretending, I'm not asking you to get all the fact that God is love. All I'm asking you to get is that he actually loves you. And he loves you in a different way than what you see on the Hallmark Channel. And he loves you with a completely different love than what you listen to in your music or my music. He has a love that has been with you since before you were born. And it has remained with you even in your worst sin. And it will stick with you even when you don't feel worthy. And it will continue to pursue you on into eternity. Because God's love, the fact that God is love is a more powerful force than what we can really gather. It, it breaks down walls. It can, it can tear down hardened criminals. It will win in the end, church. It will win. And so I don't claim to understand this, but God loves you in such a way 
that he just delights in you. He just looks at you and is delighted. I, I know that might be really hard because you have not had many people just look at you and smile because you're their kid or, or because you bring them joy. But this is the way I get this a tiny bit because I catch myself as a dad just doing that a little bit. Seeing my, my girls, maybe they're doing nothing like sitting on the couch reading a book, watching TV, and you just, like, see them, and I feel this tiny little pang in my heart that I translate to love. I think, man, that's, that's got to be love. And then I think that has to be the way that God delights in me, only, like, on a galactic, perfected scale. And that's the way he delights in you, just because you're his. And if you're struggling with this some, man, an acquaintance of mine, a friend, he sent me this meme um, just a, a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it. it. It says this, if you think that you've blown God's plan for your life, then rest in this. You aren't that powerful. <laughs> I love that there's so much truth in it, and yet it really hits at the heart of how self-centered we are, how how we think the universe revolves around us so much that we think that you can affect God's feelings for you. You think, no, 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 it's not even feelings. You and I think, mistakenly, we think we can affect the character of who God is. And that is a lie, like, you shouldn't even believe. But when it clicks, when, when, when it really clicks that God loves you, that's when you don't need to be told to love others. You don't even need to be told to change your life. You'll just naturally do that. You won't need to be cajoled into doing good works or deserving. You'll be compelled by the spirit that lives inside of you. And that's, that's why this is so important. That's why this order of God loving you first and then that causing you to want to show love for him second. That's why this order is so important. Because when you get that, Serving him is no longer a chore. It's a treasure. And we have so many people around here that I have gotten to see in all my years that, that are long-serving in all these different positions. And I, I see people do stuff outside of these four walls. And I, you know, I just know that they get this. They are definitely not doing this because they think they have to do it to earn God's love. And that's, that's a good feeling to see that in other people, too. And that can be you as well. It should be us. This is, this is our fullest life. Just a couple weeks ago, I fell into this perfect dad vortex where not only do my girls like video games, but they like the same video games that I like, and they ask me to play them for them. <laughs> I have, like so many dads, come home from work, and I've been asked to do activities with them, and you know, you want to do them because you love your kids, but they are kind of taxing sometimes, you know, they're like, you walk in the door and like, hey dad, you know, can you pass the football with me, dad, can you play hide and seek, dad, can you run me to a friend's house, and yeah, it's all great, but have you ever walked in the door and like, hey dad, will you play Zelda for us? <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, uh, 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 okay, you know, five minutes, just five minutes, yeah. But I love it that I get to play because, you know, this is what I like to do when, when, they, when they're asleep. But now they're enjoying it with me. And very rarely will one of them ask to do something themselves. Like they'll, they'll, they'll want me to do it. Or, but now and again, 
they'll want to solve a puzzle or play a mini game or something like that. And uh, and I'll like take the game. I'll like, mm, okay, here you go. You can have the controller. And I kind of try not to watch because I'm like, no, you got to do because ah, ah, I can do it faster, right? This is why I appreciate my God's parenting of me because he wants me to have the controller. Even though I've proven that I am not trustworthy, even though I've proven that I will let him down, that I've turned my back on him, that, that I'll get distracted the slightest thing, even though I've proven all of that, he has called me to play alongside him. I really appreciate that about him. I, I, I really appreciate that throughout all of this, he continues to love me and he trusts his spirit in me that when he knows that I understand that he loves me first, that, that he can trust his spirit, that he not only calls me, but he not just allows me, but he calls me to join him in his work. And so now, you and I, when we get that he loves us, we are permanently engaged in his kingdom building. Even though he could probably do it better and faster, even though, you know, we don't even understand all the reasons why he has called us to play a role. He has handed us over the controller and says, look, you're my son. You're my daughter. Come join me. And it's a beautiful thing that he calls us not just to watch, but to play alongside him. And, and look, Paul gets this. Look at, look at this order again, the way that Paul demonstrates it in, in Romans 5.8. He says that God shows or demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I honestly think at an intellectual level, this makes a lot of sense, right? Like, if there really is a God out there, and he can create worlds, and he can create people, and he's put a plan into place to save all of us, that makes a lot more sense that he has this characteristic, that, that he is the character of love. That makes sense. That makes sense that it wouldn't be a feeling that can shift one way or the other. I think that that makes sense, that, that if there's a God... Who, who, who sends his own son into the world so that all might be saved, like that, if that's his plan, that makes sense that he's not going to waver. And it also makes sense that that plan does not hinge on whether or not me or you are good enough. Doesn't that make sense? Like if there's a God out there that, that loves us and is big enough like to do all that, that's the way things are. I think that makes sense. Brendan Manning again here. If you like some of his quotes, you should check out some of his sermons on YouTube or download one of the, uh, his free audiobooks from a library app or something like that. So many good books. But he, he said this too. He said, however, when people gain an awareness of how much God loves them, something different happens. It's not that I have to or I got to or I must or I should or I ought. Suddenly, I want to change because I know how deeply I am loved. The, the order is really important. It really is important because if you forget that God loves you long before you ever accepted him, and, and long before you ever did your first good deed for somebody else, if you forget that he loves you before all of that, you might think that your actions will determine whether or not he loves you. And if you struggle with that, if you struggle with thinking that you have to do things to get him to love you, then you're going to probably feel separated from his love when you do bad things. And you will do bad things. I know that. I can just see it. I can see it. 
No, I know it because I do bad things. And, and if you forget that God loves you in spite of all of that, then you'll probably forget also that your service to him is not an exchange, that your service to him does not then curry you favor with him, that, that your service for him does not earn you his love because his love is a gift. And he's already made that decision because that's just who he is. That's why we got to remember this when we're talking about service here, that, that we serve God because of his love, not for it. We, we can't earn it. We serve him because he already loves us. This is so important because we live in a world of identity crises, but you already have one. Again, this doesn't matter whether or not you even believe in him or not. You are his son or daughter, and he loves you. It doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian or not. It doesn't matter what your past is. We have an identity if we choose to accept it. It's, it's a reality, whether you choose to accept it. He loves you, and you are his child. And, and the Bible uses all these great analogies like we are clothed in Christ. And, and, and that he has already called us for good works that he's planned ahead for us to do. You, you are loved first, and then you are called. One more really big point here. I want to show you a, a soccer player. His name is Benjamin Kramaski. He's an 18-year-old right now, I believe. Um, so he's young, but he's pretty talented. He's talented enough to play, you know, at the highest American level in the MLS. But he plays for Inter Miami, who just a couple months ago, they are the worst team in the MLS. I'm talking 29th out of 29. And, uh, and, he, and so he's just, you know, he's a good football player. He's young. He plays on a, a not great team. And you may have heard of Inter Miami, even if you don't follow soccer, because of some business that they did this summer, bringing in a guy by the name of Lionel Messi. Does this sound familiar? Do you know that name? Because, yeah, okay, you're laughing. Okay, so most of us know it's from the World Cup or something like that. He now plays for Inter Miami. And, and most people, even if you don't know the, anything about soccer, most people know that Lionel Messi is considered by a lot to be the greatest who've ever played the game. And so I'm just thinking, what would it be like to be 18-year-old Benjamin Kramaski playing for Inter Miami, and, you know, things are going, you know, not so great, but then all of a sudden, the greatest of all time joins your team, and you're now, you're now doing warm-up drills and receiving passes and getting assists to Lionel Messi. What would that be like? Hold on to that. I bring it up because um, I bring up this. It's super vital that we remember, and all of us talk about how God loves us and that he calls us to serve him, that we remember how big a deal God is. It's really important to know how big God is, to keep that in mind. Because otherwise, if we forget how big a deal God is, how, how, it, this means and speak worlds into existence with his words and, and create things out of nothing if we forget how big of a deal God is, I think some of these sermons about, you know, let's go serve God can come off a little bit like a school assembly fundraiser. <laughs> Did you ever sit through those? They bring all the classes into the gym and they have some public speaker from some company who tries to convince everybody, rah, rah, let's go sell 100,000 candy bars. Right? And if you do, you can win your class a pizza party. Ah! <laughs> right? You ever walked out one of those like, man, I'm going to be the top salesman. But God is a big, big God. 
He has handed you the controller to play alongside him. This is not like a school assembly fundraiser where you're trying to go out and sell five bo uh, boxes of chocolate bars. Now, this is a little bit more like Benjamin Kramaski, who now all of a sudden gets to play alongside Lionel Messi, passing the ball and win MLS Cups and League Cups and U.S. Open Cups. They're no longer the worst team in the MLS. And now Lionel Messi passes it to him and gets it back. It's a big deal. I can't imagine what that would be like, but I, I know that God allowing me to be a part of it is a big deal. It's a huge shift in mindset and identity. And if you, if you ever need more reassurance that it does not depend on how good you are or how worthy you are or how prepared you are or how mistake-free you are, if you ever just need any reassurance, just think back on all the followers that Jesus has called to him. And think, man, I am no different than those people. The people that Jesus called to be his first followers, man, none of those guys were making the ancient world's Forbes top 40 under 40. No, they were average, ordinary people. People who, with pasts, people who had lost faith. And I just, I love the way that the chosen portrays Jesus' calling of Simon Peter the fisherman. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. I told you! I told you! 
brother and the baptizer <laughs> you are the lamb of god yes i am depart from me i am a sinful man you don't know who i am the things i've done don't be afraid simon i'm sorry we, we've waited for you for so long we believe but my faith how sorry <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's debt. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. I think what I, what I love most is the relatable part of Peter who, who falls at his knees and says, God, get away from me. You don't know who I am, which is a really ignorant thing to say to the Son of God, right? He knows exactly who he is. He loves him. That's why he's there. That's the reason why he's there, to call him to follow him. And this, this applies to you and even to me, that it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter who you are at this moment or who you've been, that he loves you because he, he's chosen to because that's who he is, and you are his son or daughter because that's who he created you to be. And so you ask him right now, what do you want from me? You pray that this morning, you, you ask him that when you wake up every day this week, and say, how can I serve you? What, what is it, what gifts and talents have you given to me? Where have you placed me, even in my fallen self, right now, that I can fish for people who need you in, your, in their life right now? What, what changes do you need to make so that you can receive and reflect that love. These are the things that I'm, I'm asking you to pray about, to think through in response to the fact that God loves you and he loves you just the way that you are and he would rather die than to be without you. Father God, we, we just come to you this morning humbled that you see us. 
that you care for us individually, and that there's nothing that we can do to change who you are or how you think or feel or want from us, God, that you have invited us to join you on your mission, that we actually get to play a part. We just thank you so much, God. We ask that you would just help us to let that sink in because we are, we are messed up. We've believed lies before. We're asking you to continue to show us the truth, to, to replant that in our lives, in our hearts. May you make it grow. We ask these things in your son's powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen.